Good evening, all. On behalf of Sam Maxwell, welcome back to our little intersection of life we call Bedford and Sullivan, the podcast that's, that keeps you, the audience, active listeners in our Bedford, excuse me, Brooklyn Dodgers television series research project. My name is Michael LaCollin. You might know me as the Brooklyn Trolley Blogger. I'm very excited to be hosting this evening's show. Uh, first, I thank you, Sam, for handing me the controls to once again veer this podcast in a different direction. Uh, tonight, Bedford and Sullivan, how shall I say, uh, we journey into the efforts towards reestablishing the life history of one of the more incredible and inspirational athletes to ever play the game of baseball and, and, and positioning his name and achievements back into the forefront of not just the baseball historical record, but of the greater American narrative as well. Uh, so without further ado, it is my pleasure to welcome on the podcast Negro League's historian and founder of the John Donaldson Network, Peter Gorton. Hello, sir, and thank you for joining us. It's great to be here. Let's talk legacy restoration of John Donaldson. Absolutely. Uh, you know, we've spoken the other day, we've spoken prior to the show going live. Uh, what an incredible endeavor you're taking on. Uh, so please, if you don't mind first, a little bit of familiarity about yourself. Tell us all the points of contact on social media and all the other outlets and, and where we can find your work and, and, and really jump into this subject matter of John Donaldson with Buckbeat. Yeah, well, the mothership is on the web at our website, um, which is www.johndonaldson.bravehost.com. It's a free site. Um, out there on the web, people can go see all the games John Donaldson played in. And we built that uh, because if you really want to know what Lou Gehrig did on Thursday night in August of 1925, uh, you can find that, find yourself a sixth grader and you can find it in under 30 seconds. Uh, There never was that for Negro League baseball players. That needed to happen. We needed to have a place where people could go find out. And so John Donaldson bravehost.com is our um, site for all things John Donaldson related. Uh, Trying to put together his 33-year career. Uh, right now we have 705 pitching appearances listed on there for him in the great places where he was able to travel. Um, so that's our sort of the mothership is the website. Um, secondly is our presence on Facebook, um, our presence on Twitter, um, our Twitter handle is at the Donaldson net. Um, you can go there and find out anecdotes about John Donaldson's career to find out more. Um, you can find links to lots of different subject matter about him. Uh, our Facebook page, if people are into Facebook, that type of thing, there is uh, our Facebook uh, presence is the Donaldson network um, on Facebook. But we also have this new thing called YouTube, um, which isn't too new, but we've been making short films. Uh, to try and explain John Donaldson's career a little bit better. So if you want to go watch, um, right now we have about 13 films finished um, and on our way to about 26 uh, different ones, uh, little short documentary-style films that talk about John Donaldson's career, and that's the Donaldson Network at the YouTube site. You're in Minnesota. I'm here in Brooklyn. Uh, John Donaldson knows what it's like playing in both locations and everywhere in between for that matter. Uh, but if you don't mind, just give us a little personal background, uh, life in Minnesota. What was your inspiration? How did you get involved 
What was your day one? What was your moon landing? Uh, and when did you first grasp uh, the daunting task that lay ahead? Well, it, it, it was a long time ago. I've been working on this uh, every day for the last over 20 years now. I entered the 21st year last August uh, since the first time it was that I heard John Donaldson's name. Um, the first time uh, was about in 2000. So I mean, it was a long time ago. Um, and since then, um, I have a, a husband, a, a father. Uh, I work in communications, trying to get people to talk better and, and do better interviews. Uh, and I work on, that's what I do for uh, my kind of day job. But John Donaldson's legacy was something that needed to be repaired. Um, he is a giant in the game of baseball. He is a giant in American history. Um, he needs to be um, reclaim his rightful place amongst the greatest ball players of all time. And I'm not talking about Negro League baseball players, if that's some sort of subsection of uh, the, the, the game itself. John Donaldson needs to be known as a baseball player um, who happened to make the best opportunity he could make in a time of deep segregation in our shared past. Uh, we need to be able to talk about John Donaldson as being one of the greatest ever uh, to do what he did because of all the things that made him so unique. Um, and he was definitely a product of his time uh, and the restrictions that were placed upon African-Americans in terms of trying to succeed in the national pastime. Um, John Donaldson rises above uh, Jim Crow America that he's playing baseball in. Um, his legacy is something uh, that we should all know. John Donaldson was an American hero, and that's something I want to share with your audience. And let's just do that. John Donaldson, the man, someone who America almost rendered into a myth, but he's a real-life legend and an author of an undeniable legacy. I think it's right if we start this discussion with the man himself. What kind of person was he and a little bit about his background? Well, John Donaldson was somebody that we can look up to, uh, not only during his time, uh, but in terms of historically significant individual. Uh, he is he has been known to play in 739 different cities in the United States and Canada. Um, he traveled across the United States. He experienced the arm of Jim Crow. Uh, he understood uh, the world that he was living in and how to succeed in it. Uh, he mastered the ability to be able to travel around, the ability to understand local customs and laws that were put in place to, uh, in many cases, to make sure that African-Americans stayed in their place. Um, he was pushing the envelope all the time. Um, he is somebody that we should look up to and look to as a positive example today. He, was, uh, he came out of Glasgow, Missouri. Glasgow, Missouri is a uh, relatively small town today um, in central, north central Missouri on the largest bend in the Missouri River. Um, it was the location of the first all-steel suspension bridge over the river itself. And so it was rather a funnel towards the west. If you wanted to get west, uh, make it to Kansas City, you were going through Glasgow, Missouri, um, because that was the train line, and that's the way it was. Um, John Donaldson was born in 1891 um, in a state of Missouri that was 
uh, sided with the, the with the South. Um, not too many decades away from the uh, end of the uh, Civil War, uh, all those all that sort of background tapestry is there, um, and John Donaldson overcomes all those things. He grows up in this river town uh, with a propensity to play, be able to play baseball. He was uh, relatively tall at that time, six feet tall, uh, left-handed pitcher, uh, a rarity in baseball circles. Uh, he plays on the sandlots with other white players, um, including players that went on to have major league careers. John Donaldson didn't have that opportunity, never had that opportunity. The color barrier in baseball being drawn in the late 1880s. Uh, John Donaldson born in 1891. The color barrier is there. There isn't this sort of idea that if Michael's good enough at playing baseball, um, and he says and does the right things that major league riches and, and uh, moreover major league respect uh, would follow. Uh, uh, that just wasn't the case for black players at that time. His, it's been connotated as, you know, what John Dallas's dream was, was to play in the major leagues. Well, that just wasn't possible. Uh, it was as far away as the moon and there was just no chance you were going to walk on it. Uh, that's an important thing to understand. Uh, but John Donaldson made the best of that situation, uh, laid down a tremendous career, uh, had, was, was, was famous uh, before really fame was something that Babe Ruth had achieved in the 1920s. Um, he played primarily before the advent of radio. Um, he played when all mass communication was really done through newspapers. Um, and that was if you could read a huge portion of the population in the United States of America still couldn't read. And so you had all these barriers that were put up um, that he overcame. Uh, his legacy did not uh, until we've been able to figure out much more about him um, to put him back in a place where we feel he belongs. Uh, I remember Buck O'Neill saying, I think upwards of 60% of Negro League players were college-educated. Here we have a case in point. John Donaldson is college-educated. He was also very conscious of his health and well-being. And by all accounts, he was a very righteous and sober uh, and morally astute person. He was, most definitely. He went to a place called George R. Smith College, which is in Sedalia, was in Sedalia, Missouri. Uh, it was all-black seminary college. Um, his mother wanted him to be a Methodist preacher, uh, and he found out that it's, he was so astute at baseball, um, he was doing his preaching from the mound, um, and he reached far more people than he would have had if he had a congregation somewhere um, because he was so skilled at baseball. Uh, John Donaldson was a uh, pitcher and an outfielder, played every day, um, was a hitter and a base dealer and a, uh, a great defensive player. Uh, he was an all-around great athlete. And one of the reasons that his career lasts 33 seasons is because he took such great care of his body in a time that was physically demanding. you got to understand that he is traveling around on a train or in the back of a rickety, really new car, automobile, uh, driving from town to town, riding from town to town, uh, sleeping in tents, um, uh, sleeping on the ground, uh, this is a physically demanding thing. Uh, many of the pre-Negro Leagues players, and even in the Negro Leagues, 
Um, but the pre-Negro League players, they were making it as they went along. Um, it was a day-to-day job. John Donaldson just did it for um, 33 years in a row. Um, he was a physical, um, physically gifted athlete. He avoided injury. He was um, able to take care of himself. And one of the things he did not do was he never uh, uh, used tobacco or drank alcohol. Um, he never. Uh, he was a very devout person. Went to church on Sunday. Uh, supported his church and his community. Uh, was somebody that people looked up to. And it's important to know that uh, he is a role model for people today. And when I say that, you know, we might throw around the term hero. Uh, he was really a hero to people, all black and white, all across the United States. You say a 33-year career. That's outstanding. Let's uh, take it from the top. He starts playing in 1908, I believe, as a 17-year-old, if I'm not mistaken. That's correct, yep. And there's a couple of teams involved until he arrives with the All-Nationals. and uh, Excuse me, the All-Nations. And that's a team I'd like for you to uh, give us a little insight into. Well, I can tell you about his um, his life early before his career really starts. We have uh, amassed a career on John Donaldson that is 8,000 newspaper articles strong, uh, really debunking the myth that newspapers didn't print stories about African-American people. Um, they printed a lot of newspaper articles about John Donaldson. Um, in the articles that we have been able to uncover about his early career, we have yet to find a game that he doesn't strike out 15 batters. Um, and this is the sort of whirlwind that he is. People can't get enough of power left-handed pitcher. Uh, John Donaldson is that guy. Uh, he played for a team called the Hanukkah Blues, which is an all-black team um, in his hometown of Glasgow. Uh, he goes on to play for a team called the Browns Tennessee Rats which was a traveling minstrel show. And so they put on a baseball game in the afternoon and then they would play music um, for a predominantly white audience in the evenings in a tent show as they traveled on the railways across the Midwest, um, bringing entertainment to people. Uh, But soon John Donaldson is the entertainment and he is the star. He becomes known as the greatest colored pitcher in America in 1911. Uh, they're putting together this team called the All Nations, out of, which originated out of Des Moines, Iowa. Uh, and John Donaldson is primed to be the um, headline-grabbing star, and he was. He plays for the All Nations team in 1912 through 1917 when the war kind of, uh, for many, many reasons, takes away the ability of a traveling team to be able to exist. Not only do they lose players to the national draft for World War I, but the Railway Control Act becomes enacted where the nation's rail system is really brought into federal control, um, and they didn't allow non-militarized traffic on the, on the railway system uh, in the First World War. And so a traveling circus or a traveling minstrel show or a traveling baseball team had now new regulations that they had to get around, which in turn, uh, in our nation's history, really brings in the automobile and Henry Ford as um, now we're going to have cars. Um, There's a lot less rail traffic. Um, We're starting to move into the early automobile era. And 
part and parcel with the Railway Control Act. So John Donaldson is playing with the All Nations team, and the All Nations team is what it says. They claim to have uh, nine different nationalities playing baseball at once. Um, it was a something people thought was impossible to do. Uh, they thought that baseball was such an integrated game, or was an integrated game to having people be playing together. Um, and pe- there was a predominant thought that uh, African Americans and white players could not play together. Um, the major leagues have been segregated for a long time. Uh, here comes the All Nations team, which was owned and operated by a man named J.L. Wilkinson, who eventually becomes the uh, the owner and uh, owner of the owner of the Kansas City Monarchs in the Negro National League. But that's a little bit later. Uh, so John Donaldson's playing for them, and he's striking out dozens of players a game, uh, playing every day, hopping around the Midwest uh, from town to town, payday to payday, uh, and being the headline drawing card uh, for the All-Nations team. And that, that team also had some other great players on it. One was Jose Mendez. Jose Mendez is a baseball Hall of Famer. Um, he came out of Cuba, uh, was relegated to non-major league status um, based on his skin color. Um, just the same as John Donaldson. Um, Cristobal Torriente plays on that team for a time. Um, they have great um, multi-ethnic players, uh, and Torriente goes on to the Baseball Hall of Fame. Um, John Donaldson was the star, though, of all those guys. And, and I still play baseball today. I try and play about 40 or 50 games a year. Um, look, the, the uh, atmosphere on a ball diamond, you know who the best players are. Everybody knows that. That doesn't change from senior men's league that I play in to college to professional baseball. Everybody knows who the great players are. And John Donaldson was always the greatest player on the ball at the ballpark, every place he went to. And everybody knew that Uh, his legacy has suffered because of the places where he had to play. Uh, One example of that is um, he plays series in Chicago and the newspaper says he's a better pitcher than anybody on the North or the South side. How come he's not playing in the major leagues? Uh, challenges to the color barrier uh, happen all the time, relatively, uh, before Jackie Robinson. Uh, it's not just something Branch Rickey dreamed up one day. Uh, there was challenges to the color barrier many different times in the sports history, uh, and John Donaldson was one of those guys who challenged that. Um, so what Major League Baseball wanted to do with him was send him away. He can't play in Chicago. If he's going to play in Chicago and we have to read in the newspaper about how he should be playing for us as the Chicago Cubs, um, we don't want him anywhere near here. And so they send him out and they force him to go away. And away at that time was the upper Midwest and um, barnstorming in what they called the Bush League um, for 33 years. And John Donaldson's legacy is in those places. And that's an important thing to understand. So he's playing for the All-Nations team for five years, five great years in his prime. Uh, he strikes out 500 batters three consecutive years. Um, he had, throws 30 consecutive no-hit innings. Uh, he does amazing. He had two streaks where he didn't allow an earned run for more than 100 innings in a row. Uh, so he's not supposed to be where he is. He is playing somewhere where no one will ever remember him again. And that was a uh, 
that was a conceit, uh, conscious effort by Major League Baseball and the players of the time to make sure John Dawson went away. And this is why his legacy is in such disrepair today. It's fascinating that, you know, uh, in so many conversations regarding the Negro Leagues, you rarely, if ever, hear anyone bring into the conversation uh, California and Negro Leagues teams in California. Yet in 1917, here he is playing for the Los Angeles White Sox. Uh, that was part of the California Winter League, was it not? It was, yes, most definitely. Okay. So now we enter an era where John Donaldson actually starts playing for the major independents and, and league-affiliated teams between 1918 and 1923. He plays for the Indianapolis ABCs. He plays for my local interest, the Brooklyn Royal Giants, uh, another prominent team, the Detroit Stars, and Rube Foster's Chicago American Giants. And, you know, here's, here's the years of notoriety that I find ponderous were lost uh, to history. Uh, but if you could pick well, up it's important with the time, Indianapolis. It's an important time period because of the, uh, the wake that the Negro National League makes. 1920 is the start of the Negro National League, which we celebrated the 100th anniversary last year. Uh, that left a huge wake. It couldn't, if there was no organized league before that, that must mean it's some kind of lesser status. Wow. Tell that to John Donaldson when we throw in a 100-mile-an-hour fastball by you. Um, he, didn't, he didn't think for one minute that what he was doing was lesser. Uh, it's just that in, in sort of a uh, look back at history, uh, that's such a big deal in 1920 that I believe 1917, 18, 19, though they're playing the same great players, uh, it gets kind of swept under the rug because of the enormity of the Negro National League in 1920. You said a word, Peter. You said big deal. Two words, actually. Big deal, okay. big money. He came to the Brooklyn Royal Giants, and he made uh, quite the dollar, didn't he? Yes. Well, he was known at that time. The newspaper said that he was the highest-salaried player in the universe, highest-salaried <laughs> black player in the universe. Um uh, he was known, his fame preceded him everywhere that he went. And when he had a contract dispute, um, which was normal for baseball players at that time, uh, he left the Indianapolis ABCs in the summer of 1917 and ventures to, I'm sorry, in the summer of 1918, and he ventures to Brooklyn Royal Giants because some of their players are getting drafted. Players like Louis Santop and Cannonball Dick Redding, uh, he joins John Henry Lloyd and Oliver Marcel uh, and other great players playing for the Brooklyn Royal Giants. But the instability of the society at that time um, trickled down to baseball at all levels, white and black. And he is, he is known for being, for earning a high salary. He brings people to the gate. Um, he is a known commodity and he was desired by baseball franchises across the country uh, to come and make them money. And John Donaldson delivered on that, uh, that billing every time. And he was uh, somebody who was known to be able to fill the seats because of what he was doing. And I believe that his physical ability and his throwing style was unique for his time. Um, People had never seen anybody throw the baseball like John Donaldson did, and they came out by the thousands and paid their money to see this thing that no one had ever seen before. 
and John Donaldson uh, needs to be remembered today as somewhat uh, uh, innovator of the game um, because of what he was doing as a left-handed pitcher. Without a doubt. Let's talk a little bit about his uh, impact on the Kansas City Monarchs, uh, his teammates, and his mentoring Satchel Page for that matter. Uh, and there's a distinction between the Kansas City Monarchs and their traveling team, and John Donaldson plays a major part in that role. Yes, no doubt about that. He is a uh, founding member of the Kansas City Monarchs in 1920. The fact is this, that J.L. Wilkinson, the owner, and John Donaldson were peas and carrots. They knew each other for years and years. They played um, and understood how to uh, travel together. And still, J.L. Wilkinson said that John Donaldson was one of the greatest players of all time, um, white or black. Um, he puts him up there. Uh, he actually measures Satchel Page's greatness against John Donaldson, which is an interesting thing. And early on in the research, when I was putting all these things together, um, you kind of see those things and you kind of say to yourself, how could that be? Uh, and one of the uh, journalistic sort of idea to, to question everything, I never really understood why that was. And then we start filling in all these other things. And John Donaldson is absolutely that. Uh, you kind of think it might be hyperbole. It might be somebody who's just writing a flowery article for whatever reason, uh, it turns out John Donaldson time and again always delivers. And that is his calling card. Uh, it's, it's really interesting to me that over his 33 different, 33 different seasons, this can remain a consistent refrain throughout. Um, he's constantly dominating on the baseball field. He is bouncing around going from town to town where everybody seems to know him. Um, yet today, relatively nobody knows who he is. And you can call it a, um, a, you know, a lost tragedy of time. Uh, but there was a generation, there were multiple generations of baseball fans who knew who John Donaldson was. And somehow his legacy gets lost and left behind. Um, it is time for us to pick up that mantle. It is time for us to realize that John Donaldson's legacy is something worth saving, is something worth talking about, and is a hero figure in the United States of America. The day is today. We cannot sit idly by one more day and have John Donaldson's legacy be passed over. We need to start and continue to tell his story because it tells, it tells us more about ourselves. Uh, than anything else that we have the ability to make change. But yes, in terms of the, the change of the, the Kansas city monarchs, the, the Negro national league was thought of years before it actually happened. Uh, Negro baseball leagues had been started and failed numerous times before. Um, what we celebrated last year, the hundredth anniversary was the one that worked. Um, it stuck around. Um, it, it, it had longevity. Uh, it changed members and different teams, different ways. But in infancies of leagues, if you look at uh, Major League Baseball history, they really didn't roll for several years till after, after they did start. Uh, to have a Negro League happen in 1920 was something people worked hard towards, sacrificed their careers for in order to establish something that would have longevity, and it worked. And so John Donaldson is a major component of that. There's discussions about him starting an associate franchise that's going to be in the, in the, in the league in the early 1920s. 
expansion franchise around John Donaldson. Okay, he's 30 years old at that time. Uh, started the team around him in Kansas City because he was an all-around baseball player. Um, Wilkinson knew nobody else who he could trust enough to play center field and pitch sometimes uh, and start this business venture with. John Donaldson was his guy. Uh, John Donaldson, we would not know who the Kansas City Monarchs today we would not know who they are um, if it's not for John Donaldson. He names the franchise, the Monarchs. Um, that's, it's a fact. Um, he is somebody who, when we talk about in the greats of black baseball, needs to be up there because of what he did. So he plays in the Negro League for two seasons, 1920 and 1921. Uh, and as financial and, and new business ventures often happen, there's financial trouble. Uh, the league office is taking parts of the gate receipts. Uh, they're trying to keep this kind of tattered ship together. And J.L. Wilkinson, the owner, says, we're going to send you back on the road because we know we can make money with you in this barnstorming route that we had established uh, a decade beforehand. We know where the money-making towns are. We know how famous you are. We can send you back on the road, this time in a car, to uh, – bounce around from town to town and send us the money. Um, and so there's these great images of the Kansas city monarchs um, that are in the Negro league baseball museum and uh, are easily findable on the web um, of the great monarch teams from the early 1920s standing sh- proudly shoulder to shoulder. Um, people say, Pete, well, how come John Donaldson's not in any of these pictures? Uh, John Donaldson's out making the money and paying those guys and getting those guys to stick in with their franchise in Kansas City. Uh, John Donaldson is, J.L. Wilkinson was famous for never missing a payroll. Well, how do you think he never missed a payroll? Um, he never missed a payroll because John Donaldson was still in his back pocket with money um, from these known commodities at a time when known commodities were scarce. And he was <laughs> one and could go out anywhere and come back with a pot of cash and now here's the Kansas City Monarchs winning Negro League championships because they have the financial wherewithal and stability of someone who's supporting their franchise. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Wilkinson, uh, he was a, a very likable owner. He was a white owner. Uh, very quickly, he was a major proponent of John Donaldson. We know that. And my question to you is what, what steps was he taking to ensure the safety of his club? We're obviously talking about, you know, signs of the times, but what steps was he taking to ensure the safety of his club? Well, one, one can imagine that uh, traveling on a train car uh, provides its own amount of security. There is uh, police um, in railroad depots all over the United States. Um, you're going to sidetrack somewhere for the night or set up tents, do that kind of thing. But generally, uh, the all-nations team, and they're traveling around on a train. Uh, most towns were happy to have them. Most towns were happy to accept the money that influxed because of the team was in town. But most towns wanted them to leave. It's all right if you come in as long as you're gone later. Uh, and that's a part of American history that we need to come to grips with and understand. That uh, So they were moving around all the time. Uh, and so I don't know that they had bouncers or guys who were watching them or who were trying to uh, uh, have a security force to do that. There's no evidence that that actually was that way. But 
one has to imagine that they were traveling as a circus environment. There were other people there who had other jobs. Uh, and one of them undoubtedly was to make sure everybody was on the train each day and moving on to the next place as to not uh, turn over the apple cart of making income. I mean, they had to keep track of this. It was 14 on, 14 off. Uh, that's the way it was. And you had to have that in order to maintain. You had to make your dates. I mean, you had an advanced team that would go out and be in towns a week, two weeks beforehand and provide handbills to people and newspaper advertising, uh, really in a sort of circus, uh, circus way. I mean, so that's what circuses did, too. Uh, the All-Nations team followed that sort of model, bounced from town to town. You had to make your dates in order to take home the gate and the all nations team never missed a paying opportunity. That's important to know. Uh, and it, it should be part of the greater narrative. And I think people need to hear that. So it's actually comforting to hear uh, in its context, relatively speaking. So you're yeah. listening to Bedford and Sullivan podcast. We're about midway through and uh, we're speaking with Peter Gorton. He is the founder of the Donaldson network. Peter, Take another moment here. Uh, refresh us on where we can find your work, the social media outlets, and your website. Yeah, well, we have our website is uh, for all things John Donaldson is johndonaldson.bravehost.com. Um, it is our home on the web. Started many, many years ago, and people ask me, well, how do you Google and have uh, come up in the top ten? Well, you started a long time ago. Um, that's the answer to that. So if you Google search John Donaldson, um, our webpage is going to come up. And that's an important thing to understand is we knew that um, in 2005 when we started our website so that we could have roots in future years. And here we are in 2021, and our website is filled with John Donaldson material. So johndonaldson.bravehost.com is our webpage. You can find us on Twitter at, at the Donaldson Net. Um, that's our Twitter handle. Um, if you just search John Donaldson, you'll see our daily tweets that we have on there um, that will go back to lots of different things. Our YouTube channel is very important. We are telling the story of John Donaldson through short films. Um, we are taking that opportunity to the mountains of information that we have about him to tell his stories, visual form. Uh, people say, well, Pete, why don't you just write a book about this? Well, there's no last chapter. Um, John Donaldson's last chapter is yet to be written. We are uncovering mountains of information every day. Um, so we're working through our YouTube channel to be able to do that. And there's also the Facebook group page, which is the Donaldson Network on Facebook. So search that and ask to be invited to it. Um, we'll put you in there and you can read stories about John Donaldson, what we're doing to try and restore the legacy of an American hero. John Donaldson is our guy. Mr. Bob Kendrick of the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum in Kansas City, and I'm paraphrasing, called your work one of the most singularly comprehensive efforts ever undertaken with regards to Negro Leagues Baseball. Your research is now available at the Buck O'Neill Education and Research Center. Uh, just take a, a brief moment to explain the significance of that and the building that it's actually located in. Uh, the the Buck O'Neill Education and Research Center is an emerging 
research institution. Um, they had some major uh, vandalism that caused a delay in their opening. It technically is not open yet. Um, we're okay. still working towards that and hand-in-hand hand with the Bob Kendrick and his great team down there uh, to be able to have John Donaldson play a significant role in that, uh, a significant role in one of the great reasons and how John Donaldson can ingratiate himself to people is 739 towns. Um, you name your hometown, and he played there. Um, that's a lot. Um, they certainly are primarily Midwestern, uh, 131 cities in my state alone, uh, 132 cities in Iowa. I mean, are there 132 cities in Iowa? I mean, that's a good question. Uh, but John Donaldson played in all those places. And so the ability of the Buck O'Neill Education and Research Center to highlight this will allow people who are from those places, or maybe your grandparents were from those places, or places where John Donaldson had direct influence it's an important thing to understand. We're working hand-in-hand with those guys and gals down there, and the Buck O'Neill Education Research Center is going to be a flagship place for people to find out more about these leagues, and it would be a three-legged chair without John Donaldson. Now, your network isn't just a couple of people behind a few desks in an office. You have a nationwide network of fans, willing to help worldwide and, and yeah. worldwide worldwide scouring yeah. newspapers everywhere trying to yeah. bring this information to light it's an amazing network uh tell us how people can participate in this endeavor well the where john Donaldson played is where we kind of start our research right trying to figure out as many places as we can have so what we did was we literally threw up a calendar with 40 years on it and started filling in every day. We knew where John Donaldson was and that helped to fill in days between because you can kind of draw a line between places. They've got to be on the railroad somewhere. Uh, and as you know, the uh, average speed of a train in 1915 was 35 miles an hour. Did you know that? Um, well, I know that <laughs> because I can tell you how far John Donaldson could go physically every day. Uh, and so he, he falls within the concentric circles of how fast that train can go. Uh, And that's an important thing to understand because we had so many open dates, we had to try and identify where he was. Um, And so what we've been able to do is systematically figure out how to do that, contact somebody in those places and say, did you know John Donaldson was in your town between this date and this date? Can you go by the newspaper office, flip through the bound volumes of the newspaper that are there And I can tell you any day in August of 1914 that John Donaldson was in the middle of Nebraska and somebody in the middle of Nebraska sent that game account to me. And this is where the network starts. And you cannot do this um, in 1970. And you can't do this in 1960 or before. Um, This is all Internet-based. This is ability for somebody to be able to I'm not telling you to go on, go check a whole season. I can tell you where he is and when he's going to be there. And it's up to someone else to donate that to our cause. And it's only come out to be 705 pitching appearances, 2,500 games, uh, a, a list and group of people that numbers into the thousands of contributors to this. And it's all because we're able to network with you and guide you through how to do that. And so if you want to know how you can help, 
on the web page, there's a missing date document. We'll tell you what we don't know. And that's really an uh, interesting thing in terms of the field of research, right? Our Most researchers really don't want you to know what they know. We'll tell you what we don't know. And if it just happened that one of those towns is where you are, um, if it's Brooklyn, New York, or Palm Beach, Florida, or, or uh, Vernon, California, or anywhere in between, um, John Donaldson, if he's there, we know he's there. We know where he would typically be seen in terms of uh, a memorabilia or whatever it was that he wrote, they wrote down about him. But there's a trail of stuff that people just don't even realize because uh, they don't even know who that guy in the picture is. Uh, it's because it's a long time ago. It's because of uh, what our society did to him. Uh, but today we must do better. We must be able to figure this out and we've been able to do that uh, do i think there's other guys like john Donaldson out there who need this well absolutely there are uh, you mentioned cannonball dick redding uh, cannonball dick redding plays for the brooklyn royal giants uh, right there uh, cannonball dick redding's career is similar to john Donaldson's, and he plays pretty he plays for a decent amount of time uh you could go back and you could piece together Cannonball Dick Redding's career the same way we did uh, and put it together, really tell everybody who he was and stop relying on somebody to tell you um, who he was and how you should think. Uh, that's really what we started this effort for. I looked originally at Satchel Page and I thought, you know, in the 1930s and 40s, 50s, right? Satchel Page traveling all around in a car. I mean, I have newspaper accounts and satchel page drove through town they said in a blurb in the lower right hand corner of a newspaper right i mean he didn't even have to stop there to get written about in a newspaper he just drove through town um and then we start turning around and they do the same things about john donaldson 20 years earlier john donaldson stopped in town and said hi to somebody um well who's john donaldson and that's what we're working on trying to figure out is we're uh, we are on a um mission John Donaldson who? Because John Donaldson is a big enough, talented enough legacy for us to remember as one of the great players ever. And we need to get there in order to change people's hearts and minds. But in order to do that, we need to show the grassroots nature of this, what it takes to find this stuff. Sure, there are digital newspapers where you can keyword search John Donaldson. There, you can do that from Australia. And people do. Um, there are newspapers being digitized every minute of every day. Um, there's new information all the time. We've taken our um, number of articles from 7,800 to over 8,000 in the last six months. Uh, these things are coming out. What you can do and what people can do is look at the missing games and figure out where those newspapers are because if they survive, um, there's a John Donaldson article in there. There is. I mean, there is. We had the vision to see that that was possible, and we just worked on it every day until we had a preponderance of evidence that said John Donaldson is one of the greatest players ever, and people have the ability to change their minds about that, and we are on a mission to change people's minds. Does John Donaldson belong in the Baseball Hall of Fame, for instance? 
does John Donaldson uh, belong listed with Satchel Page? I don't know, but I can tell you what we found is significant enough that yes, he needs to be in that discussion. But I'm, I'm at the same time, John Donaldson has so much more to teach us about humanity than he does about two for two on Tuesday. Uh, he is somebody who is, uh, he is passing across the United States, uh, crossing America, seeing America where it is in a time of our shared past that I find fascinating, uh, obviously, but the, uh, it's important to understand that there was somebody who saw this stuff. They, he, somebody saw these injustices. Somebody lived through these injustices and John Donaldson came out on the other side. And that's important thing to understand. Who saw more than him? He literally dotted the nation from Brooklyn to LA, from Canada to Texas and everywhere in between. Uh, you know, we discussed in our previous conversation a couple of days ago how he never really got to tell his own story, similar to how other players were afforded through time. Uh, as John passed away last year, uh, last year, you know, the pandemic was problematic for many people for many different reasons. And last year would have, uh, was, in fact, his, the 50th anniversary of his passing. And I'm sure you had plans uh, for last year that really didn't come to fruition, which was unfortunate. Uh, so maybe perhaps a quick uh, comment about that before we start recapping uh, these uber achievements of his playing career and wind this down with his post-career. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, the, uh, the book Only the Ball Was White was penned by Robert Peterson and was published in 1969. Uh, and it was put out, and it was, it's really the sensible tome of uh, Negro League baseball. If you're curious about Negro League baseball, here's a guy in the 1960s who's put as much as he could put together to really introduce people of a different generation to who these great stars were. And there's an inordinate sort of size uh, chapter about John Donaldson in there. Uh, but at that time, John Donaldson had a stroke. Uh, he dies in 1970, six months um, after I was born. Um, he's not around to talk about him as a chapter-worthy person in this book, um, as many others were. Cool Papa Bell, Satchel Paige, uh, you know, it's the who's who of the Baseball Hall of Fame for Negro League players had the opportunity to tell people who they were. Uh, and John Donaldson never had that chance. Um, and so at a time when there was also the uh, advocacy of uh, the Baseball Hall of Fame inducting Negro League players after 1971, when Satchel Paige becomes the first Negro League baseball, black baseball player inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame, uh, there's a kind of a rush. Who's going to be next? Uh, and there's people talking about themselves and recounting their careers and providing this huge oral history. Um, John Donaldson doesn't get to take part in that. And he could have had encyclopedic knowledge of that time period as no one else. Um, and it's really too bad that he was unable to do that. Um, and part of what drives us to do that is to restore that voice because uh, – it was taken away from him. In 1970, he dies. He's buried in an unmarked grave until 2003. And I'm standing over the green grass of Baroque Cemetery in suburban Chicago and looking down at the grass going, John Donaldson's under there. And nobody knows who he is. 
and the great efforts of the Negro League Baseball Grave Marker Project procures money to put grave markers onto Negro League baseball players, uh, decided to put John Donaldson in their first class uh, because he was unmarked. And I went down to the service and, and we're looking down at the grave and we're saying, I'm asking people, uh, does anybody really know who this is? And they all, some great Negro League historians are there. And also a person say, no, we really don't know who he is. Well, we know he's on the 1952 Pittsburgh Courier poll ranks behind Satchel Page and Smokey Joe Williams as the greatest, one of the greatest pitchers in black baseball history. We know that um, subsequently we found out that John Donaldson's on black baseball great all-time lists, 10 consecutive decades. They started calling him great in 1920s. And they proceeded to do that all the way through uh, 2020. Uh, places were calling him one of the greatest Negro League players of all time. Uh, people knew that of those lists and had talked about that, but nobody had been able to put together the 739 counts. And we were able to do that. So I'm standing there with these player, people going, this is my chance to be able to help John Donaldson. I knew a lot about his Minnesota time, and that's well documented here. Uh, but the rest of it was really the uh, elusive part of it. And we went on a mission to change that and to define what that was and to not just take what somebody tells us is the answer. We went out to set the record on who John Donaldson was. And it turns out he has more wins and more strikeouts than any segregated pitcher in the history of the game. And nobody knows anything about him. And that is hard to believe, and that's what we're doing to change. What we're doing to go about and change that. Um, but yes, he falls into uh, this sort of obscure middle ground. Uh, we get a grade marker put on him. Uh, starts a legacy restoration, and so what we're what we're trying to do, and what we continue to do each day, is to tell his story because that's the thing that is going to um, change people's minds about that time period, and John Donaldson should be remembered as somebody, uh, should be remembered, period, but should be remembered as a, uh, uh, we talk about Jackie Robinson and how he, he was standing on the shoulders of others and the building blocks of uh, integrated baseball, and how do you get building blocks of integrated baseball? John Donaldson is how you do it. And John Donaldson is how you do that. John Donaldson is playing on integrated teams 20 years before the major leagues decides they want to do that. And here in Minnesota, uh, I talked to people, and they told me um, when Robinson breaks the color barrier in 1947, well, shoot, we've been, we did that 25 years before. We had only one black player on our team, too, and John Donaldson was his name. Um, and so that wasn't – and one guy even went off – went so far as to say it wasn't a big deal that Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier because we knew that already. Um, that's an important sort of in, insight as to um, his significance to people, particularly people in the Midwest. Well, you know what? Baseball fans love stats. Peter, it's time to unleash the numbers. Wins. Are you ready? Strikeouts. No hitters. Shoot. As of, this, as of today, and I say as of today because uh, there are three known wins stuck in COVID-closed libraries as we speak, um, it's just a matter of prying the door open long enough to get that goofy guy in there from Minneapolis uh, to find these wins, right? 
every single new digitized newspaper has the possibility of having another John Dowson win in it. So as of today, we have 418 wins, uh, verified wins. Uh, we have 5,122 strikeouts. Um, like I said before, we have 705 pitching appearances in 26 states in the United States, six Canadian provinces. Uh, the numbers are staggering. And the numbers took a long time for us to get together. Um, you have to understand that these are from primary sources. Uh, where do we find these numbers? Uh, there, you know, a huge percentage of it is newspaper. Um, there are 161 games that are known that John Donaldson pitched in that no strikeout total was reported. 161. Um, so his 5,122 strikeouts, you know, probably should be 7,000. And now you're starting to talk otherworldly numbers. And John Donaldson firmly has a grasp on that. Look, you sit everybody down. You stand up everybody who's ever been a pitcher, ever. And then, you know, this sort of uh, wedding reception game where everybody sits down, right? Uh, sit down if you have 1,000 strikeouts. Sit down if you have 2,000. Sit down if you have three, four, five. John Donaldson's still standing, and there isn't anybody else who is with him. Um, it's a very, very small number. Now, we've been able to find all these things, and we've been able to substantiate all these things without shadow of doubt. Uh, is there more? Absolutely there's more. John Donaldson's, uh, and I don't engage in speculation, but for a minute, please indulge me. Uh, John Donaldson's strikeout total is an average of 9.8 strikeouts per game. Uh, he starts and finishes 92% of the games he plays. Um, He's going the whole way. Uh, So he has 9.8 strikeouts per nine innings. Uh, If you want to add 162 to 9.8, you know, we get a whole bunch more strikeouts. And we're just not going to go there because we don't have to. Uh, We can tell you exactly how many games we don't know we could tell you exactly how many games we do know. Uh, you can decide for yourself if that's significant or not, but I challenge any one of your audience to find anybody else who's anywhere close. Uh, John Donaldson is in a rarefied error, and he's really alone in that. And what he had to overcome in order to put up these numbers, uh, you know, he's sleeping on the ground. Walter, he has more innings pitched in 1914 than Walter Johnson does, and he's sleeping on the ground, and Walter Johnson's in the four seasons having a steak for dinner. Uh, You've got to understand that he's playing in back lots and converted farm fields, and um, he's playing. Uh, there's there's um, instances where a town took the mound out when John Donaldson was coming because it made him mortal, but he still dominated them, right? He's playing in this Bush League where almost anything goes, and he's forced to be there. It isn't like he can aspire to go and play in the major leagues. He is playing where he can play the game, where he can make money for himself, his family, and his church. He is playing in places where uh, he is famous and loved by people. And that's an amazing story. 
very quickly, uh, because there's still a debate as to Major League Baseball, recent developments in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Before we get there, I think it's important that we make a distinction with what happened uh, with John Donaldson and the White Sox that differentiates him from what Branch Rickey did with Oscar Charleston. We know that Branch Rickey... uh, All right, go ahead. Well, Branch Branch Rickey gets advice from Oscar Charleston about black players to scout. Um, He may... And and I believe there's even evidence that he paid it. Uh, What differentiates between what Oscar Charleston was doing, which was a known baseball practice and has and still is today. Look, Michael, if you want to go down, if, if, if the New York Mets call you and say, you know, go downtown here and and look at this guy and tell us what your opinion is on him. We might want him to play at, you know, at city field. Right. Uh, Does that make you a scout? I don't know if it does. I've talked to scouts who tell me that does not. Um, John Donaldson had his name printed on a business card with the White Sox stationery. Um, he sent his name around to people. Um, he is the, known as the first black scout in Major League Baseball history. He signs on June 22, 1949. He is registered with the office. Um, the club comes out and says in the newspaper, we just hired John Donaldson. Uh, Branch Rickey never did that with Oscar Donaldson. Uh, it would would have and it is significant that the major league club, the Chicago White Sox, said we have a black scout, and that's an important distinction. And John Donaldson owns that distinction. And scouts for the Chicago White Sox from 1949 until 1953, 54, uh, when the there is uh, change in the general manager, and when they change the general manager, everybody's job is up. Uh, he. He leaves his job after recommending greats like Willie Mays, uh, Ernie Banks. And, and there's even evidence that John Donaldson was bringing Ernie Banks to Chicago when the general manager of the Cubs whisks him away off the train. Uh, there's evidence to suggest that he should have played for the Chicago White Sox along with Willie Mays. Uh, but for one reason or another, and there are many reasons, um, the Chicago White Sox did not have the courage at that time to Hire Willie Banks. Hire Ernie Banks. I'm sorry, Ernie Banks, uh, Willie Mays. They didn't hire Willie Mays. They had him. Um, 660 home runs later, uh, they had a guy named Dave Philly who played center field. And Dave Philly hit 280 in his career. And he was comfortable. And he was the position that had been in the game for 75 years. Only white players played for the Chicago White Sox. And John Donaldson went about to change that. But to say that John Donaldson was not scouting his entire career is false as well. Look, barnstorming teams need talented players. They're going from town to town, and somebody turns their ankle, slides into third base. They need to pick somebody else up. They need to mentor somebody else. They need to fill the roster so they can move on to the next payday. Uh, So scouting, player development, um, mentoring of players, is something John Donaldson's doing from the day one and just gets the, uh, the, it, it, the incredible uh, title of scout for the Chicago White Sox in 1949. Legitimate think, title as a scout. I think, I think we should give Grace Comiskey uh, credit as well uh, for hiring John Donaldson, uh, a female, you know, so there you go. Yes. 
Somebody yeah, in charge. Yeah, she was uh, the owner at that time. Yep. Right. So uh, so John there, there's a debate about a, that. It, we can debate lots of things. Um, the debate about is he the first black scout? Wow, all the the uh, the documentation says yes. And we can have anecdotal conversations about the legit, legitimacy of all of those things. That's fine. But I I will challenge anybody to find a article before late June of 1949 that says we have a black scout and his name is John Donaldson. I'd, I'd like to find that. I'm in luck, step with you. Uh, John Donaldson was inducted into the Missouri Hall of Fame and he had a statue unveiled in his honor. Take That's right. One of the great parts about 2020 with the pandemic as it was, we had been building a John Donaldson statue um, for the brand new John Donaldson field in his hometown of Glasgow for years before. Um, we had meant to unveil it in 2020 um, so that people would realize more about his story. Uh, but as of today and right now, John Donaldson's statue and likeness are over John Donaldson Field, state-of-the-art baseball field in his hometown um, that sits on a former plantation site. Uh, John Donaldson's eyes of his statue can see the front porch of the plantation. Um, it's a significant thing that we were able to accomplish with the help of lots of people to be able to bring this to fruition. But what was really necessary and important in that whole uh, endeavor was that we knew actually who this guy was first. And that's an important thing to do. And that's what the Donaldson Network has been able to do and was put in place to be able to accomplish. Uh, so in 2020, when all the statues of hate are coming down across our country, uh, all these um, deemed to be terrible people um, that don't represent who we are today, triumphantly John Donaldson rises. And his statue is going up because we know better today and must do a better job of explaining who he is and why generations of people have been robbed of his legacy and need to put him up there with the greats of our national pastime. Well said. MLB needs to do a better job as well. Now we have an issue because Major League Baseball, uh, they are going to recognize Negro Negro League's statistics from 1920 through 1948. And we know this does John Donaldson no justice. Uh, I suspect that one of Major League Baseball's and the Hall of Fame's contention is his competition. Uh, It's a wide range of competition. We understand that. And I don't think they're willing to compartmentalize. uh, And they're not willing to do a lot of things. They've taken the first step forward in recognizing these statistics. But we know that uh, it's a precarious first step. Uh, and they need to really do their homework and get this done correctly. What say you, sir? I think that it's important for, look, hundreds, hundreds of times, John Donaldson, major leaguer, printed in contemporary newspapers when he's coming into town and is in town and leaves town. I mean, they said it all the time. Um, It didn't take uh, a designation by the commissioner's office for us to consider John Donaldson major league, um, there's film footage of him throwing the ball. We can see him. We know what he was. We know what he was doing at, in his time period and in his era. We didn't need 
Major League Baseball to tell us that John Donaldson was a major leaguer. We already knew that. Um, But what they have done is important because there was nothing before, and now there is major league designation. And that's a key thing to understand. What the um, Donaldson Network is doing is taking the first step. We are taking a blank piece of paper, and we are starting to fill in the paper. And that's a courageous step to be able to do. And I applaud Major League Baseball in their efforts to designate African-American and Negro League players as Major League. It seems to me as a 20-year-plus baseball historian, um, sort of a slap-me-in-the-head moment. No kidding. Of course he was Major League. There was no difference between what John Donaldson was doing and Major League quality baseball players. It was just our society decided that he belonged in the back of the bus. And our society decided that his skin color would keep him out of the major leagues. Uh, That's what was going on. We don't need to apologize for that. We need to start recognizing that we already knew that. Um, We already knew and his contemporaries knew. One of the big draws of John Donaldson coming to your town was major league. Barred, banned, colored bar, color barrier, everything about that, everybody knew. And so they wanted to see major league players because they couldn't see major league baseball players unless you left the farm and, and went to Chicago because that was the closest major league franchise. That's a long ways away and very expensive to do. Uh, people longed to see these major league caliber stars and John Donaldson fit that bill. And so for, to have major league baseball today takes a significant step of designating any Negro leagues or any black baseball players as major league quality players to a certain degree is no kidding, but it is an important step to be able to recognize where there was no recognition before. There is now recognition that John Donaldson amongst, I don't know, 3,400 other players could have actually played in major leagues. And we already knew that. Um, We already knew that, but, general society needs to understand that uh, that wasn't there before. They didn't think that Negro League baseball players were important. Throughout history, um, that was thought of as just a Bush league that nobody who was any good ever played in. And so yet another reason to keep these great players' legacies in limbo. Uh, The day's over. It's over. It's time for us and everyone to know that John Donaldson was somebody who was significant in our game. If you think that's important or not, it's really a hard, um, it's really a hard battle or, or argument for me to have. I still love you if you don't think that. Uh, but my point is, is that you can decide for yourself. Um, what he was doing was unlike anyone else. And before and since, uh, He was a trailblazer and somebody people need to respect. And ironically, one of his major quotes uh, is, I go out on the baseball field. It's not uncommon for people to shout very terrible things about me. And he used some very colorful language. Uh, But am I not entitled to a little respect? Uh, That's key. He's, He's begging for people to recognize him and respect who he is. It is our responsibility today because we know 
to let people and everyone that we meet share in this story. And that's what the Donaldson Network's goal is. That's what I work on every day. If you have something to add, let's add it. If you have something to clarify or make better, let's make it better. Uh, John Donaldson's story is something that each of us can have a role in. It is time for us to turn the page on just forgetting that he's a significant person. He is an incredibly significant person. And going forward, we are saddled with the information. We know better. We simply cannot uh, let the voice go away. John Donaldson is somebody who needs to go forward as we move forward. As Buck O'Neill Education Research Center has recognized, uh, we need to be able to have him as a central figure. And lastly, the Hall of Fame. What say you? The Baseball Hall of Fame is a revered institution to me. I appreciate what they're doing. I know the difficulty it is in selecting people, um, uh, forming committees, uh, honoring the people who should be honored. Uh, I can tell you this, that in years past and not too distant past, the Hall of Fame had no idea who he was uh, because he had no major league status. Uh, the Hall of Fame knows now. The Hall of Fame knows John Donaldson's significance because of what we've been able to do and other historians throughout history have been able to do. They've been able to say John Donaldson's name, and they, they know that now. There is no excuse for him not to get a fair sh- shot at induction into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Will they do that or not? That's going to take courage. It's just going to take courage. It's going to take courage enough for 13 out of 15 people to say yes. And in this day and age, I don't know if that's even possible. Uh, you can't get 13 out of 15 people that the sky is blue or the moon is up, right? I mean, you can't get it. It's just impossible with the partisan nature of where we are today. But I can tell you that where they didn't know, they know now. And that's all we can do as historians to be able to fill in the narrative. You can decide if that's important or not. Uh, If John Donaldson is even considered for the Hall of Fame, that is a great thing because a lot of people will go, that's an interesting story. I have no idea who John Donaldson is. John Donaldson, who? That can change, and we must change it. And my job is not to get him into the Baseball Hall of Fame. My job is to take the empty pail and fill it up with John Donaldson goodness and show people that there is a mountain of information. There is a bunch of people who know better. And we need to be able to get behind these stories because it's the right thing to do. And we put up a statue for him. We got him in the Missouri Sports Hall of Fame. There are people, there are people out there who will follow this train and we're on it and we're going to do the best for John Donaldson's legacy as possible uh, because he is a significant figure that deserves that. It's very clear at this point that you're invested your heart and soul into this endeavor. I'm a fan of your work. It's, it's such an impressive body of work. Uh, and I can only echo what Bob Kendrick says, uh, of the entirety of what you've accomplished so far. And there's so much more, uh, but let me tell you baseball. one thing about that, and I do very, very much appreciate your support and everyone's support because I can't do these things 
without the loving support of my family and friends and the Donaldson Network people who tell me to keep going, who tell me to do it. There are many days when the, the bills are in and the Negro League historian guy's not pulling his weight around the house where the Negro League stuff needs to go back in the box. Um, <laughs> that simply hasn't happened because of many, many people who support this effort. That's an important thing to understand. But I can also tell you that what we are working on today uh, is the result of opportunity. And we talk a lot and we hear a lot these days about change. We hear a lot today about how, how can I affect change? Um, I sat there over the green grass of Burr Oak Cemetery and decided that day I'm changing this because I can change this. And it might take, I never thought it would take me 21 years. Um, it certainly has. Um, but you need to be able to see something and go for it. And I've been blessed enough to be able to do that um, where other historians haven't been able to do that. Uh, devote myself to figuring this out. And then somewhere along the way, early on, I realized this is, this is tremendously significant uh, because of what he's doing when he's doing it and what he was able to accomplish in it throughout his life. Uh, He's a significant guy. I've been blessed by the opportunity that everyone else left it. And I was just the guy who realized there was a void there, and we need to fill in this. We need to fill in John Donaldson's career, and we've done that and continue to do so on various levels as we go forward. Well, on behalf of baseball fans everywhere, really, thank you for spearheading this effort. And on behalf of Sam Maxwell, my partner, thank you so much for your time. And this education, really. Uh, please, take another moment out. Tell us where we can find you on social media, the website, and where we can find the rest of your work. If you want to go somewhere and see John Donaldson right now, go to the YouTube channel of the Donaldson Network. And there's short films up there. We won't get you for two hours. Uh, we will get you for four or five minutes. And you can see many different aspects of John Donaldson's career portrayed in short films. Um, that is a YouTube channel the Donaldson Network YouTube channel. Um, the mothership for John Donaldson is johndonaldson.bravehost.com. That is our home on the web. All of his wins, 418 of them, are listed uh, on that page, along with hundreds of games that he played in in towns across the continent. Um, johndonaldson.bravehost.com is um, our site. You can Google search John Donaldson. Easiest thing to do. You might get Vanna White's boyfriend. She's from Wheel of Fortune. You remember her. Um, John Donaldson happens to have a common name with lots of people. So when you Google search, make sure you look for John Donaldson, the black baseball player. Uh, there's our Facebook page, the Donaldson Network on Facebook. Um, and there's at the Donaldson Net on Twitter, where we're tweeting out every day fun facts about John Donaldson, trying to raise awareness of who he was and gain traction in this effort to restore his legacy. The next bunch of documented victories I want to hear about it. You have an open invitation to return should anything break. Uh, thank you again very kindly for your time. Mr. Peter Gorton, everyone, the Donaldson Network. Again, thank you kindly for your time and the education, sir. Be well, and I hope to speak with you again soon. Thank you very much. Wellness to all your audience as well. Let's follow John Donaldson and take his future and make it a restored legacy. Thank you. Thank you. Good night, all. This was a Bedford and Sullivan podcast. Good night, all.